Well, good morning. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're in a series called A Supernatural Life. We're working our way all the way through the Gospel of Matthew in 2016, and now we're, uh, we're looking at the supernatural things that Jesus did, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, before we do that, just a couple of uh, real quick housekeeping things so I can let you know of some information that would be helpful to you. Um, one, if you've been around for a little while, uh, you have seen in the last two or three weeks, we changed up the weekly, and it looks different, and you went, oh, what happened? Well, we're trying to make it a little bit better, more accessible with more information, and we took some information off, and so some of you may say, hey, some of the information is not on there anymore, and so we're really super creative with names like the weekly, and uh, so we came up with something equally creative that we're going to put out once a month called the monthly. Um, <laughs> And uh, you can get information. It's at, it'll be at the start here desk, and you can pick it up anytime. It lists everything that happens in the building in the month. It gives some financial information and some more information about getting connected. But that's available if you want that. Second thing is I'm wearing this shirt. We got a bunch of runners uh, who are running for Team World Vision, one of our partners in the Chicago Marathon in just a few weeks. In fact, a bunch of them ran 18 miles yesterday in preparation for that. The reason they're doing it, uh, don't applaud. They're not done yet. Damn it. Uh, the reason they're doing it is to raise money for clean water for kids in developing countries who would otherwise die. For 50 bucks, you can donate to Team World Vision, one of the, the most well-respected charities in the world, uh, and you can change a kid's life for the rest of their life and provide them with clean water. So we'll have a thing on Facebook later today. If you want, we'll link to some of the runners, and you can go on their page and donate. Uh, but super proud of them and, and proud of what they're doing. And then the third thing is uh, Trunk or Treat. We did have done that for several years. We do a trunk thing, and have all these people show up and we give out candy. Now, we've had this interesting thing happen over the last several years we've done it. We've noticed that the attendance has increased uh, so that last year I think there were something like 2,000 people who came and got candy. We had to go run out and buy $500 worth of candy to make it work because uh, we didn't have enough candy donated. And, and, uh, but at the same time, we've seen the number of people show up. We've seen the number of people from real life who participate and do the trunks and give candy and whatnot go down. And so we were on track this year if the numbers stayed the same, to be have 25 cars, which last year we had 50, the year before that we had 75. So we thought, uh-oh, this could be a problem, and what are we going to do? And so now one of our values around here is that everything's an experiment, and the reason we, we do that is we want you to be able to take risks in doing things for, uh, for God's kingdom, and so uh, we want to model that as an, as an organization. And so we said, okay, what if we tried an experiment this year, and we found out that the city is doing a trunk or treat in Founders Square off of Central Avenue on Friday night, October the 28th. So we went to them and said, hey, how could we help? And so we're going to have a, a booth there. You can't have all the cars, but we can, we're going to have a, a tent there and a theme. And uh, we're going to run a photo booth for the city. And we want to still donate candy because we know people are not going to come with enough candy. I think they had 2,000 plus at theirs, and they'll have more this year. We want you to attend it. And then on, on um, Halloween night, we want you to build relationships with your neighbors, have candy. You could even decorate a trunk in your uh, driveway if you wanted to do it that way. So we're just going to try this as an experiment. We felt like it wasn't mission critical that children get candy. Uh, <laughs> so we felt it is mission critical for us that we build a relationship, and so we felt like that would be a way we could uh, experiment with that with this year. So if you're good with that, that's what we're going to try this year, and we'll see how that goes next year. But please bring candy. Uh, we're going to do that for the city. Game with that? Great. I'm glad that only... Only one of you is really game for that. Thanks for the golf clap for the rest of you. Hey, we're going to read a passage of Scripture together, see what it says for our life, uh, if you'd stand with me. And I'm actually going to have you read this. Just one verse we're going to look at from Matthew chapter 10, 
uh, and I want to invite you to read this out loud with me. Okay, as loud as you can. You ready? Here we go. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Now, we're, uh, we're talking about the supernatural, which kind of has its own built-in interest factor. We go, oh, well, what's that about? Uh, we, when we talk about it in reality, there's a little bit of a red flag that goes up. We say, now, what does that mean? Are we going to handle snakes? I mean, what, what's going to happen? Are you going to get all weird on me? Uh, how's that going to happen? And, and so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about um, the supernatural, why Jesus healed and what healing is. And if you'd like, you can go back on our podcast or on our website and you can, uh, you can listen to those two messages. They'll give you some background. Because today what we're going to do is I thought, okay, well, I preach not so that you come listen to me, but so that you can follow Jesus month for seven days of the week. And this is for you to do this. So I thought, okay, maybe this would be good if we did a, just a little bit of a clinic. So a little bit of a different format than what normally happens on a Sunday morning. Uh, a clinic on, on healing. Um, now we had... A, Back in the spring, a friend of mine named Paul McConaughey, he's from Great Britain, so he's got a smashingly brilliant accent, and uh, on our podcast, if you'd like, we recorded the sessions he did for our leaders on, on what's called being naturally supernatural, so you can go, if you search real life Portage, you can find our podcast, and there are five sessions, if you want to, you can go back and listen to those, and hear what Paul had to say, he's been um, working on this whole idea of the supernatural, and being natural about it, not weird, and it's, it's just gold, just absolute gold. So I'd encourage you to, to do that and listen to that. But we're going we're gonna to do a, a little bit of a clinic today. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the demonic. Jesus, uh, I don't know what you think about that. I don't know if you believe in that. I don't know if you think that's real. I don't know if you have stories about that. Uh, but we're going to talk about that starting next week. But today, we're going to do a bit of a clinic. Uh, but so let me, just, let, me just, let me just kind of prime the pump here. Uh, let me, by show of hands, how many of you have either firsthand experienced yourself seen yourself or know someone close to you to know that it's a legit story have ex- seen someone or, or known someone that was it healed in a way that medical science cannot explain how many of you have that yeah i have the same story right number of you number of you uh we often judge uh things by our experience of it especially as americans well i haven't experienced it so it must not be true uh and i would point you to the, the experience of people here i just a story for you i've been telling you stories every week and one of my very uh, good friends, he's now a pastor, he wasn't that long ago, but when he was a boy, um, he had, uh, some kids are just born with genetic things differently, and he had one leg shorter than the other. In fact, when he was young, he had to wear the shoe, you know, that has the, the thicker sole. And uh, his parents, who are very straight-laced, so if you have red flags about Supernatural and you, like, you see people on late-night TV, I mean, this is like the farthest thing from that his parents. If I could introduce you to them, you would go, wow, very straight-laced people. Uh, and they, they wanted their son to be healed because this was, they were worried about how kids would tease him and, and all those things. And so they were there one day, they were, someone came and prayed for him. And his mom, who again is one of the most straight-laced people that I know, uh, they were praying for him. His mom watched his leg grow. Today, he does not wear a shoe like that. Now, it's I don't know if you believe that story. I'm telling you the truth. But those, that's great. Yeah, you can clap. But how do you, how do you, how do you, how in the world do you, how do you, world do you do that kind of stuff? I mean, is that even possible for people who follow Jesus? 
Now, one of our other values is that you're it. We say that you're the hands and feet of Jesus. This is not a professional thing. This is just ordinary people. Uh, that's what Christianity was meant to be. And if you think about the hands and feet of Jesus, what did, where, what did the feet of Jesus do? The feet of Jesus went places. And what did the hands of Jesus do? The hands of Jesus, on a regular basis, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, healed people. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then we're learning together to do everything Jesus said we can do. We can call out bad religion. We can uh, work against injustice. We can forgive our enemies. We can even love our enemies. But we can also participate in the healing ministry of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about how to do that this morning. Now, I don't know if you have uh, you thought about why Jesus was so popular and remains so popular um, if we think about it, there's the message of Jesus, right? There was, the message of Jesus was full of love and full of hope and full of purpose. Uh, the message of Jesus is that God loves you and that God wants you. I, one of my uh, students, when I was a student pastor, he was in seventh, the seventh grade, and he was sending me a message last night because he and his wife just had a baby. And it was one of those kids that I thought, oh man, are they going to be okay? It's like, like I don't ever work with students and you see some kids and you're like well but he has a human being right he's now responsible for and he's sending me messages about all this and he's uh, I love him because he lived in he was an intern for a while my he lived with my wife and I and my kids uh for about six months and he said uh you know as I was thinking about my wife was pregnant I was thinking about what I watched in your house about how you were a dad and I thought about what this is gonna mean and so I just sent him some messages. I said, hey, hey, this is what I do. I said, as a dad, your number one job is to let your kids know that you want them. Just to communicate as often as you can every day in some way. I want you. I like you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm for you. You belong to me. You matter to me. I said, that's your number one job as a dad. And when you do that, even when you, when you mess up, because you'll mess up and you'll do it wrong and you'll hurt them, that'll drive you to go back to them and say, listen, dad, sorry, I, I didn't do that right. And, uh, I love you. I'm going to do better as your dad. I said, that's going to drive you. But the number one job of a dad is to communicate to your kid, I want you. See, this is the message of Jesus about God. God wants you. He likes you. He loves you. He's for you. He believes in you. He be you matter to him. This is, this is compelling stuff. Uh, the, the message of Jesus is also a message of hope. Uh, the message is that this isn't it. That whatever you're going through right now doesn't have to define you. That whatever pain and suffering you have been through or are currently going through is not the final word on your life. There's a bigger word, a better word for your life from God. And it's a message of purpose, that you have a purpose, that you can wake up in the morning with something to do, a reason to get up in the morning, more than just, I got to go to work again today, or I got to go try and find a job. I mean, this is, I mean, this is part of the, the power of, of Jesus' popularity is the message. But there was also, uh, in Jesus' day, the power that Jesus showed. There was a message about God, but then there was the power of God. Uh, and, and if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus attracted in a day without, uh, without Facebook and without the internet and without television and without advertising, huge, massive crowds, 20, 25, 30, 35,000 people would come to listen to Jesus teach. But more than that, they came because they knew that Jesus would heal. Now think about this for a second. If you uh, couldn't afford your copay, and uh, you knew that when you went to the doctor, you know, you, your insurance maybe paid 80-20, and you were going to be out, uh, you, know, you had some condition, and you're like, oh, man, I don't even have the money for the 20%. And you heard that there was some guy out here in the fields of Indiana, and he was healing people, 
and you could go out for free and you knew stories and you had friends that you said, I went and I got healed. And I, I, I mean, there'd be t- even today, a massive crowd would go, who is this guy? What is this? Now think about that in Jesus' day when none of those, those ways of communicating the message about what he was doing, massive crowds would show up and they would show up because Jesus would heal. In fact, one, one historian who's not even a Christian said the reason that Christianity grew in the first three centuries it's because the early church, the early Christians, they would just go to people and they would say, listen, what you're giving your life for, the gods that you are serving, are no gods at all. What you need to do is you need to turn and you'll find healing in Jesus' name. And so they would individually pray for those people. Those people would experience healing and they would say, I have no explanation for what happened. There must be a God. And this was part of the power of Jesus' ministry. Now, here's what you have to understand about healing. All of that confidence all of that healing, we're supposed to continue that. Now that's very, very challenging. So what I want to do is I want to do just a little clinic, and I want to I want to talk to you simply about how healing works. We'll talk, gonna give you a way to think about that. Uh, I want to tell you some things that you're going to experience that will trip you up along the way, um, and I want to tell you about how we are part of, of the ministry of Jesus by healing. And then we're going to have a time at the end, if you were here last week, where you can come forward and you, someone will pray for you, and pray for your healing about any any physical or emotional or otherwise issue that you need God's healing power. So uh, here's, here's, what, here's how healing works. Jesus says that God is near. He announces that God's kingdom is near. And then he demonstrates it by healing someone. He gives people a taste of God's kingdom. When he heals someone, he's saying, listen, this is just a little taste of what's to come. Uh, do you know what an amuse-bouche is? Any idea? Someone who loves food may know what an amuse-bouche is. I didn't know till 10 years ago. Uh, we, my wife and I were celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary in just a couple weeks. It's 20 years. And uh, we were celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary, so we went to this fancy restaurant. We sat down, and uh, we, we sat there, and the, and the waiter comes up, and he s- comes up with these spoons of I don't even know what. And we said, what is that? He said, uh, this is, and he called it an amuse-bouche. That's when I learned about it. He said, it doesn't matter. Just put it in your mouth. Okay, all right. <laughs> and the reason I'm telling you about it is because I've thought about that little spoon for 10 years. It was so, I put, and the, the, the explosion of flavors was just, I mean, unbelievable. I still don't know what I ate, but it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> what, what that did is it's an amuse. It's, it's a French word that means a taste of what's to come. And we had this unbelievable meal that beat even that spoon. When Jesus healed someone, he was giving them a taste of what, man, you, you're sick and you're not well and now you're healed. That's a t- you can't even imagine how much better what I'm preparing for you is even than that. It's a taste of what's to come. So if we were to look all the way through Matthew 8, uh, 9, and 10, those chapters, Jesus has several uh, instances where he heals people. And so what I, I'm going to recount these stories for you real quickly. And then I want you to look for the pattern. I want you to see if you can see the pattern about how Jesus heals. So what happens in verse 14... Uh, we've talked about the lepers, and we talked about the centurion and his servant the last two weeks in the first cha- part of chapter 8. Uh, verse 14, Jesus goes to Peter, one of his disciples' house, and his mother-in-law is there sick. And it, the, Matthew says that Jesus walked in, saw her, reached over, touched her hand. She sat up and got up and served them, and the sickness left. Uh, in uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, uh, some friends of a paralyzed man, while Jesus is teaching, bring that man to Jesus. And Jesus, uh, Matthew says, sees their faith, not even the guy's faith, sees their faith, 
and says to the guy on the mat, hey, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders who are trying, waiting for Jesus to say the wrong thing, uh, they, they say, listen, hey, Jesus, who, who has authority to forgive sins? And Jesus says, well, so you know that I have authority to forgive sins. What's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? So he turns to the man and he says, now get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks. Uh, in verse 20, um, while Jesus is on his way uh, because a, a religious leader comes to him and says that his daughter is dying, well, he's on his way to that man's house. There's a woman who's had a long-term uh, physical issue that no one can do anything about. The medical science of the day could do nothing about. And so she comes up to Jesus, reaches out her hand, thinking that if I just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. And sure enough, Jesus feels her touch him. He turns around and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. He goes on to that, that religious leader's house, and at that religious leader's house, the daughter has died while he's on the way. Everyone's crying. Jesus goes to the room that she's in and says, hey, listen, everybody, uh, you don't understand. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And he reaches out, and he touches her hand, and she sits up, and she's well. Then in verse 22 of chapter 9, there are two blind men, and they follow Jesus at a distance, and they say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And so Jesus stops, and unlike any of the other scenarios, he turns and he questions them, and he says, do you really believe that I can do this, I can heal you? And they say, we believe, and he says, okay, and he touches their eyes, and they're healed. Now, do you notice the pattern? Well, if you say, no, I don't notice the pattern, it's because there isn't one. <laughs> Trick question. No pattern. No pa why is there no pattern? Well, if, we, if there was a pattern, then there would be a formula, and you'd go, oh, well, see, that's how healing works. You go to the formula, and you... You say this word in that tone of voice, and you put your hand like this, and then you go like that. And Because some people think about healing like it's a vending machine, right? You put in the right thing, and out pops the, the healing that you're looking for. And, and if that were the case, then the authority for healing would be in the formula, right? i got to get the formula right, and then it works. But see, Jesus doesn't ever heal the same person, a person in the same way. I think his point is to say there is no formula, because that's not where the authority is. Where does, we read that verse. Where did Jesus put the authority? In his disciples. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the authority of Jesus. Now I'm going to give you a triangle I'm gonna, that you can, draw on your, um, you can draw on the back of your weekly if you'd like. And if you were to do this, if you were to draw this triangle, works like this. You put king, the word king at the top. You put the word authority at the bottom, and you put the, uh, uh, on the bottom right, and you put the word power. This is how we represent God in the world. The word power over on the bottom left. I know you can't read my handwriting. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, but it goes like this. Our Father is the King of the universe, and the King of the universe shares His authority with us. And not only that, he gives us his power to do the things that he does. Uh, authority works like this. It's uh, when the lights are out, uh, the street lights are out, and the police come out, and you know they're directing traffic. Do you know how a, a police officer, just by having a uniform and a badge, can stop with his hand a 3,000-pound hurling piece of metal? Right? Right? He just goes like this. <laughs> And uses his authority, and because he has authority, people respond, and they do what he says. That's how, that's how authority works in God's kingdom. God has given his authority to you, and not only that, if you were to do the wrong thing, then the officer also has a gun to back it up, right? He's got the power. 
But that's how, that's, how, that's how it works with healing, is that God has given his authority to you. Now, most Christians don't exercise this ever. They go, God's the king. Oh, that's so great. I just, But they don't believe that they have that authority when Jesus very clearly in the New Testament gives it to every Christian. Now, that's kind of how, how healing begins to work. But how, what will trip you up? Because what happens is many of you are saying, but I can't do that. I don't have any training about the Bible. I don't know that much about the Bible. Um, I, I don't have any degrees. Now, what's interesting about that is it, that in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, when the religious leaders saw the things that they did, because they acted with authority and they would go heal people. And when the religious leaders saw that, they said, these are, they were amazed because they said, these are unschooled, ordinary men. So if you say, I've got no degree and I've got no training, I don't know what in the world I'm doing, that is exactly the person that God uses. You're in the right spot because you don't need that. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for someone who's available for him to use. Now, what happens when we say, I can't do that, though, is we say, I'm afraid. And so what happens is fear trips us up. And so uh, as that fear trips us up, now, here's, here's how I, what I know about fear. Fear is delivered to us by shame. Shame is like the syringe that injects into us fear. Now, this is true in all of life. Uh, you, you get messages that get sent to you uh, from your parents and from your own mind and from the world around you that, that are like syringes that get stuck in you and inject fear into you. And you don't know what to do. I've got right here a, uh, I've got a grenade. It's not live, okay? <laughs> it's not live. I, I just know people. But you know how a grenade works, right? A, a grenade works. What do you do? You, you pull the pin, you throw the grenade, you duck, and it does its damage. There are what I would call shame grenades uh, that are they're in every area of life, uh, messages that get sent to us like, uh, like a grenade that explode inside of our heart and inside of our mind, and the shrapnel uh, paralyzes us and keeps us from moving forward. Well, it's the same, the same is true of healing. And I think there are some shame grenades. I'm going to give you just a handful of them really quickly and tell you what they are. Uh, here's the first shame grenade. Uh, it goes like this. My sickness is sent from God. Now, this comes in two kinds of forms. One is this, uh, and I run into this very often. People will have something happen. Some sickness will happen or their child will get sick or their parent will get sick or something, some kind of terrible thing will happen in their life. And they'll say this. They'll go, you know, I've done a lot of bad things in my life, and this, must, this just must be how God's paying me back. I mean, I deserve this, right? That's what's happening, right? That's why this is happening in my life. There's a religious, a more religious version of that, uh, and if you've been around, if you've grown up in church, you've heard this phrase, people will say, well, well that just mean, must be my cross to bear. And what they're doing is they're referring to Jesus, who said that if we follow him, it, like him, we're going to have to take up our cross and deny ourselves. And, but what happens is they, they believe that this sickness is sent from God to build your character and that God loves you, and so he's using this sickness in your life to discipline you. So, in other words, if you break that down practically, what they're saying is, well, God is saying, well, you know what? I wanted to build his character, so I gave him diabetes. You know what? She's just really struggling, and if I could give her kid cancer, give her kid leukemia, I mean, she'd probably grow. Now, Here's what Jesus would say on both of those, both of those fronts when, when this shame grenade goes off in us that my sickness is sent from God. Number one is that on the cross, the writer of the Hebrews says in New Testament that Jesus paid once for all for all of the sins of mankind. 
There is nothing ever for you to pay ever again. Nothing that comes against you is a payment from God for what you did wrong. That was all laid on Jesus. The second thing is this, is that every time Jesus encountered sickness, he didn't go, well, you know what? Maybe God's building character in you. You know what he did? He treated it like an enemy. He saw it as a curse from the kingdom of evil. What if you did the same with sickness, and that's how you saw sickness? In fact, John said that Jesus came to destroy the devil and all his evil works. And when we're, when we're praying for someone to be healed, we're fighting, we're fighting with Jesus against the kingdom of darkness. Now, you may say, well, but the Bible does talk about suffering. Yes, it does. It talks about enduring suffering. Yes, it does. But it's talking about the suffering that comes from outside of you, the persecution that comes from you, not suffering that comes from inside of your body. Uh, here's another shame grenade. There are too many, it goes like this. There are too many other needs for God to do something about mine. And it, it's like this. Well, God's just too busy to worry about me. I mean, God's so busy. I mean, there are all those starving kids in Africa and all, all the tsunamis. And I, I mean, I, I, God's too busy to worry about my little thing, right? I mean, I, wh- why would I ask God? Now, you, we'll go, the irony is that we go ask the doctor because we're like, we don't, we'll bother the doctor, but we're not going to bother God. Now, please go to the doctor. None, and none of what I'm saying am I saying you don't go to doctors. No, no, no. God gave doctors brains and minds and medical science is, is, is miraculous in the way God made the mind to be able to understand the human body and bring healing. And God brings healing through doctors. So please, go to doctors. But here's what happens is we say, well, God's, I, I'm just, God's too busy. Here's what Jesus says to that. We looked at it just a little bit ago in Matthew. He said, there's not a hair that falls from your head that your father doesn't know. In other words, there is nothing in your life that God does not care about. And he is not too busy some other place taking care of other people that he cannot care for you. So that's a shame grenade. See, it goes off in you and it messes you up and it, just like it gets all inside your head. Here's another one. I'm no saint. I couldn't do that. Holy people do that. I'm not holy. Well, here's the deal. When someone, God heals someone, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with how good I am. I know I'm not, I know I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Healing, God heals people because uh, he's abundantly good. Now, you need to understand, when I say you're not good enough, I'm not saying you're a terrible human being, you're not worth anything, because you're worth so much to God that he would die himself on a cross for you. That's how worth, that's how valuable you are to God. You're worth everything. But this shame grenade goes off and keeps us from actually participating in what, what Jesus has done. Here's the last one, uh, is I don't have enough faith. Right? This is a version of that formula idea that it's a vending machine, and so we believe that, m- that the amount of faith I have is the coins that I put in the vending machine that is the, the divine being that is God, and if I put enough coins in, I've got enough faith, and I can make my selection B3, beep, beep, and rrr, watch my healing, boom, fall down, and I pull it out, right? But if I don't have enough faith, I don't have enough coins, well, tough, you know, sucks to be me, I don't have enough, I can't be, I don't have enough faith. This is a, a shame grenade that goes off. Now, here's what Jesus would say to that. Jesus says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that you can say to this mountain, hey, be removed. Now, do you know how big a mustard seed is? I mean, I, I wanted to bring one, but it's like that big. In other words, Jesus is saying you can have almost no faith at all because the point of faith is not your ama- the amount of faith. It's what you have faith in. If you're hanging from the side of a cliff and you're hanging from a gigantic branch, uh, it doesn't matter how much you trust the branch, it just matters how big the branch is, right? So these are shame grenades that go off, and what happens is they get lobbed into our hearts from the enemy and from the world, 
and they create a cloud of debris that hides us from the light of Jesus' message, and they leave us in the darkness of our inability, and we say, I just can't be a part of that. Now, you, though, have God's authority, and my question to you is, what are you doing with it? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, he gives it to you. Now, this has been a journey for me. It's taken me eight years to get to the point where I am today where I can even feel like I can, with some integrity, stand up and, and preach this series of messages because eight years ago, if you'd asked me, I'd have said, I don't really think God heals people. I know I'm supposed to pray for it, but I don't really believe it. And after eight years now, God's taken me on a journey with this where I've got some stories and I'm learning this because I don't, I don't fully understand it yet. I don't fully get it yet. But I know that God heals people and I've seen it enough that I can't not believe it. Like, okay, there's, there's more than I understand here. So what I want to do is I, I just want to, uh, I want to do a little, a little demonstration. So um, it's not going to be weird, okay? Uh, I just need a volunteer, someone who maybe even has an, a, a physical issue that you'd like prayer for, and that would be a volunteer. Is there anybody who would volunteer to do that? Yeah? Come on over here, Chris. Come on up here. Thank you. Now, when... When Jesus, uh, when Jesus healed someone, I don't know if you know this, the word for salvation, where God saves you and rescues you, and the word for healing in the New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek, are the same word, sozo. Say that word, sozo, sozo, right? It just means both salvation and healing. So, uh, in fact, when Jesus uh, heals, when, when Jesus calls Matthew, right in the middle, in chapter 9 of Matthew, uh, the, the religious leaders say, how can you eat with a sinner like Matthew, who's a tax collector, which was one of the bad people in that day. And Jesus says something interesting about the salvation of Matthew's soul. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. In other words, sin makes people sick in the same way your body gets sick. And I came to heal both. I came to heal your soul and your body. So you may be having a conversation, because this is how it worked for the early Christians. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to be on a stage with someone, uh, but you may be having a conversation, and it's someone that you know, and you're talking, and they tell you about something physical, because you know how that goes, right? You're like, I'm hurting, my back's killing me, right? And you, you want to pray for them, and maybe you feel awkward. I just want to give you an example of a way you could do that, right? It's not a formula. It's just a way you could do that. So what you would do is you would ask the person. You would say, uh, okay, so she tells you about this, and so what's, come over this way, okay? What's, where's the pain right now? In your hand, you're having surgery Thursday. What, what's, what's the story with it? Carpal tunnel, okay. Okay, so we're, just, we're friends, and we're just talking, right? I'm not getting all weird on her. Uh, I'm just saying, oh, wow, that's crazy. Uh, could I pray for you? Could I pray for you? Okay. And, and then, I, then I'll say this, okay? Because sometimes we'll, that's like an out. We'll go, can I pray for you? Okay, great. See you, bye. And <laughs> pray right there. If you know the person and you feel comfortable and uh, if it doesn't feel weird to you, uh, say, hey, could I pray for you right now? Could I pray for you right now? And so you notice I ask specifically where the pain is because I want to know. This is just for me. God knows. Where's the pain? It's in her wrist. And so then, because she's asked me that, I, and especially if I'm a guy to a woman, I always want to be very, very careful of their physical space, even a same gender. Uh, I don't want to violate someone's personal space. And so I'll just say, would it be okay if I put my hand on that? Is that, is that all right? Okay, notice I didn't say that weird. Like, some fire is going to shoot from the heavens right now. I don't do that, right? <laughs> it's just not weird, right? So I'm going to put my hand on her, and then I'm going to say, hey, let's pray. And I'm going to very simply ask the Lord to bring healing to her hand, okay? So why don't you pray with me? Lord, we pray. Uh, that you would bring healing to Chris's hand and that you said that it uh, we're to pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven and so God bring a piece of heaven to her wrist and bring complete healing to it right now in your name I ask this by your power Jesus amen
Now notice I didn't, there's nothing, there's nothing special about the words, right? How's, how's it, does it, is it in pain? Yeah, is it hurting right now? Not as much? Okay, okay. Because then if I prayed, then I want to know, did something happen? And, and I'll, I will tell her in the conversation, I'll say, listen, now, I, what I believe is that we're in a battle, and that one of the places that the enemy comes against us is in our body and our minds. And so we pray, we always pray for someone to be healed, and we pray until one of three things happens. Either the person's healed, the person's with Jesus, which is complete healing, or Jesus comes back. And so we're just going to keep praying and believe that God can do it. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to keep praying for Christy to be healed. Will you do that too? Yeah? Okay. Thanks. Give her a hand. So what we're going to do right now is, uh, that's just an example for you, okay? That's not, again, not a formula. It's just a way you could go about it in a, in a natural way that's not odd. We're going to invite you to come and pray with some folks who are going to come down here, and they're going to, uh, if you'll come on down, guys. And if you would like someone to pray with you about any issue in your life, they will pray with you while the band comes up and while they pray. And um, you can just simply ask the Lord to bring healing. And we'll believe that the Lord's present to heal together. So let's pray right now, and then you can come forward. Lord, in your power, uh, you, you can heal. I know you've healed. I've seen you do that. And so, I, Lord, I pray that today that you would be present to heal, that your power would be available and felt. God, we, commu- we confuse this whole subject, and we don't understand it, and we're a little overwhelmed by it. Honestly, uh, some of us are... Um, put off by it. Some of us are intrigued by it. We, but we, we have issues we don't know how to deal with. Some of us are emotionally torn up and it's expressed itself in our body and we need you to heal the, the hurt that we've carried for a long, long time. The fear that we've drug around like a, uh, a heavy knapsack. We need the healing that only you can bring to release us from that. God, some of us have been to doctors or we cannot afford doctors and we've not seen healing and we need the only the only response is for you to bring healing that's the only way we're going to get better and so lord be present to heal power be present to heal this morning as we come forward and ask you to heal we pray this in your name come forward as you like